1: As far as Black luxury, it means freedom. It means stepping into places that people don't expect us to be. It means debunking stereotypes. It means relaxation. We're always thought of as people that have to be working and constantly doing things and constantly on the move. We're still slaves in our minds to some degree, like we have to be working, we have to be moving, we don't know how to relax. So when I see black luxury, I love to see a black woman luxuriating by a pool with her Christian Dior bag, living her best life.
2: Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, I sit down with two of my favorite Black travel peers to talk about luxury travel, specifically Black luxury travel. Danielle Pointe and Travis Levius are travel journalists and influencers who are experts in living large.
1: Hi, my name is Danielle Pointe I am a storyteller, a travel journalist, a luxury experience curator. I live for all the good and yummy things, the yummy sides of travel. I have been senior editor at Ebony Magazine, at Essence Magazine. I contribute to Travel and Leisure and a bunch of other travel publications. I have stays at 236 luxury properties so far and I was recently named the first guest editor ever for the February issue of Travel Leisure in 2021.
3: Hello everyone, I'm Travis Levius, aka Mr. Levius, if you follow me on the socials. I'm a travel journalist and content creator and I've been on all seven continents, traveling around the globe. I'm looking for the most incredibly luxurious places. And I too am a contributor for Travel and Leisure. I also write for Connie Nash, Traveler, CNN, and a host of other titles.
2: So what does black travel and black luxury travel mean to each of you?
1: I'll go first and I'll say black travel in itself is strength and power. We've come a long way. From, you know, I think we think of travel in such minute terms, just, you know, going from point A to point B. But we traveled here on ships as part of slavery. We explored and survived in a new destination. We learned new cultures. We created new cultures. And I feel like travel for us as a community has always been a source of strength and it has always been this very deeply passionate thing for us, even if we don't go too far from our homes. It's definitely been something that has always been in us. We've always been explorers. We've always been adapters. We've always been culture curators and creators. And so that's what the Black travel means to me. As far as Black luxury, it means freedom. It means stepping into places that people don't expect us to be. It means debunking stereotypes. It means relaxation. We're always thought of as people that have to be working and constantly doing things and constantly on the move we're still slaves in our minds to some degree like we have to be working we have to be moving we don't know how to relax so when I see black luxury I love to see a black woman luxuriating by a pool with her Christian Dior bag Come on. living her best life I love to see Travis chilling in a hotel with his afro on or he's in the pool and he's just giving us black boy joy as he goes down the fancy water slide I love all of that because too often we don't see Black people at play. We don't see Black people at leisure. We don't see Black people with money and means. And so when I think of Black travel, Black luxury travel, I think of all of that and I embrace it and I encourage others to do the same.
2: I love that. The description is incredible. First of all, Travis... Afro was the one time. Travis show up in a white robe. Let's talk about the staple of the white robe.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The white robe. <laughs> I'm like, you got you to gotta start
2: this line because every property that he's at, he finds that luxury white robe with the slippers and he's giving mm-hmm. us his famous hotel tours. I mean, and it's honestly, I'm just going to get even further into it. You know, Travis is a brown skinned black man. And when you put into context what that often means in the United States, it can mean a lot of things, but oftentimes not a great thing. Then it's like to see a brown skinned black man in places where not only that he's being welcomed, but that he owns because he has the right to be there for me is like amazing. And so I just want to lead that into Travis. What does that mean to you? Because you definitely living in that life.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Only on assignments for now, but no black luxury means to me is and even black travel is reclaiming what's ours. There's this blanket perception that we don't belong in these places. We can't afford these places. And so you still get stares, as I'm sure you've experienced, Kelly. You've experienced, Danielle, that you walk into a hotel and maybe they think you're part of the staff. Or maybe you get funny looks like, oh, what do they do for a living? I- I've never seen people like them kind of just discrediting that you belong there. So I think the power numbers have seen that now on people's social media feeds. Of you know, women just doing the most in the best way, in Turkey, in in Bali, in just the most beautiful places on Earth, and Black Kings as well. It's just us, again, just reaffirming our stance in the world and that we belong. And I think um, the images are just so powerful. And we continue that, then we can change perception of who we are and what we can access and and normalize it. It's really about normalizing our own place in the world.
1: And the crazy thing is even with the images being on social media, people still like to willfully pretend that we're not there. They still like to call us aspirational luxury travelers or aspirational travelers and like put us in the budget travel category. And it's like they don't want to see us there. They don't want to see us there. So they're still not trying to put us in the marketing. They're still trying to say that we don't live this life that we live. There are people like Travis out there, like myself, like you. You can clearly see we're out there. We're spending this money. I mean, people have done studies. We're spending billions on travel each year. And they're Mm -hmm. still willing to say, well, mm, we don't know. And so this is why what we all do is very important because We're not going to stop just because you don't want to see us. We're going to keep going until you have no choice but to see us.
2: Strength in numbers. So let's talk about how each of you got started in working in travel and travel journalism and and how you got into luxury travel. Because let's just be honest, you don't just get into luxury travel just by being there. You got to start somewhere. Maybe all three of us probably started at some point in budget travel because I didn't have that type of bread when I first started out. The luxury (laughs) travel for me personally, it has come with newer access but also deeper pockets for me personally. So let's start with you, Travis.
3: How I started out in travel and luxury travel is quite bizarre honestly i feel like i manifested the dream job that i didn't know existed at the time all i knew was that i was an assistant teacher in atlanta and had a dream of traveling the world but as a baller so i thought i had to win the lottery Or, you know, I had to marry someone rich or start like a big Fortune 500 company to do so. And it just kind of followed my gut. I moved to London, which is my dream city with very little money. But that same gut feeling said, start writing. And so I started writing a bit about London on my blog, my own blog. And then I started getting some work, some paid, some unpaid that was a bit travel adjacent or about the London city. So there was this website called The Daily Meal out of New York. I got to become the London city editor and did that for a few months. That was my way to learn the ropes of media, travel media. And then one fateful day, I sat with a PR and kind of reshared my dreams to her. And she says, well, you're writing for this amazing outlet about London. Why don't you just start writing about travel? I said, oh, (laughs) so a little bit from there, I did my first press trip ever in a county called Essex, 90 minutes outside of London. And then I made enough money somehow to just live in South Africa for a month and a half and did a trip to Mozambique. I felt very lucky at that time because I came to London with $300 to my name. Wow. (laughs) I left with a lot more. Very blessed for that. And um, I got in touch with this person that knows Mozambique very well. I just wanted to do coverage of the capital of Maputo. Not really... Anything luxurious or whatever, just covering the city. And then he says, "Hey, I also am connected with this five star all villa beach resort on the coast of southern Mozambique, and they fly guests via helicopter. Would you like to try that?" And I said, um "Yeah, I I think I think I'll go for that." And I think after that experience, that's when I knew. That me and luxury was here to stay.
2: <laughs> you said, I'm not going back. <laughs> no. I don't know what was before this, but I am not going back to that.
3: <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, it was a dream come true. I had no idea that I would be afforded these opportunities of something that I've visualized for years and to be paid for it as a travel journalist. So, it's quite crazy. <laughs> I
1: think for me, my story is a little twofold. You know, as I mentioned, Black people, I feel I've always been travelers. My family is from the Caribbean. So travel is something that was always a part of my life. I didn't even spend the first year of my life in the United States. My father didn't have a lot of money. He was the male guy at his company when I was born, but he loved to save up for the nice things. So, you know, the good suit, the good watch, and a good trip. So I've actually been staying at luxury hotels for quite a long time, but you know, on daddy's money because I was young and poor. When I say daddy's money, I mean daddy's mailroom money. He saved up for the things that he wanted to do because my father just really liked nice things. One of my mother's favorite stories to tell is how he used to make her nice dresses so they could go to restaurants. That's the kind of guy he is. Oh, wow. So I would stay at these nice properties, but because he saved up his money, he worked two jobs. If we had that one vacation, that one vacation was going to be at the Ritz-Carlton or a nice Marriott because that's the only one he was getting for the year. And so I kind of took that mentality on as I got older and I would save all year for spring break or save all year for the holidays so that I could take this one trip or find companies like Friendly Planet that I could go on layaway and like pay $1,500 to go to Thailand. But I got to pay for it over 12 months because, you know, I'm making $750 an hour and I don't have it like that. So that's kind of like, but luxury hotels have always been my thing. And a lot of people don't realize that over the years, I've actually paid for a lot of my own stays by just kind of researching, seeing how much something costs and then giving myself a travel budget for it. Where it came through in the writing was I took a trip to Thailand and I was pitching. I had been pitching Ebony for years. And finally, a nice journalist there named Jamila gave me the opportunity to write about my Bangkok trip. And that's kind of where it all started for me in terms of writing about travel, period. Where the luxury came in was all of my friends started calling me the Hotel Whisperer. This is not a name that I gave myself. Everybody would say, like, Daniel, where should I stay in this place or that place? Because, like I said, I saved up money to stay at the nice places. So everybody came to me for advice. And I would tell them where to stay. And they would be like, oh, you're like the Hotel Whisperer. You should totally, like, do reviews and do all of these things. But I was scared. Because I was like, nobody does this. There's nobody that looks like me that does this. I see all these white women that do this, but like, why would anybody want to listen to me? And so I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't even consider myself a travel writer. Believe it or not, I'm writing for Ebony, writing about all kinds of people, never considered myself a travel journalist until one day I went to a brunch Bevy Smith was having. And she was asking questions at the end. And I stood up and I said, I'd like to be a travel writer. Can you help me? And she said, well, baby girl, have you done any travel writing? And I'm like, yeah, I've written for Travel Noir. And like, I write some stuff for Ebony. And she was like, well, you're a travel writer already. Yep. And so she connected me with one of her friends, Paula Frolich. She connected me with her. Paula invited me to an event. And she started introducing me to everyone as the Hotel Whisperer. Oh, wow. She's like, I was on your Instagram and I love it. And here's the Spa Whisperer. Like, she literally had a friend that was the Spa Whisperer. She's like, you two need to get together because you know all the good hotels and she knows all the good spas at the hotels. And you guys need to get together. And I think I left that event crying because I was like, somebody saw me Mm. as not just a travel writer, which I didn't think of myself before Bevy said it, but also the Hotel Whisperer. Like, it was real Mm -hmm. then. And so I started intentionally going after opportunities that would allow me to do that. I had 500 followers on Instagram when Etihad Towers in Abu Dhabi let me stay to review their hotel. Wow. They took 500 followers. Travis's face right now. (laughs) And I did it for Travel Noir, which was brand spanking new at the time. Wow. I did it for Travel Noir site. Travel was brand spanking new. But I personally only had 500 followers. I was a nobody as far as they were concerned in that point in time. That was my very first hotel review. And from there, it was kind of just up. I was like, oh, I can do this. I put in those journalism skills, those PR skills from Howard, and I started pitching myself to everybody till it got to the point where people just started inviting me, period. Do you want to come here and see this? Do you want to do that? My job at Ebony, I got... I didn't even interview for it. Wow. They saw my writing, they saw my luxury hotel stays. I created a blog for myself and somebody else that saw me was kind of just like, I think this girl can do it. She can be an editor, she can handle our travel. And there I was. And that's kind of how I got into this space. That's how I got into the luxury space and more opportunities came as I started kind of like Travis said, manifesting. And once I believed that I could do it and I was the hotel whisperer, that's what I became. That's it. And I was just out there and hotels that I never dreamed of staying at would just say, hey, can you come? Can you come and write for this publication? Can you come and write for your blog? Can you just be here? I mean, numbers. I just got 10,000. What, like a month ago, Travis, like two months ago, I just hit 10,000 on Instagram like that. But I've been doing this for a long time. It took me forever to get there. But now I'm like official influence. Right. Now I can be like now I need one of Travis's branded robes. So I've
2: made it. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've heard how Danielle is the hotel whisperer and have learned what that means. Travis, what would your call sign be?
3: Mm. Well, <laughs> I don't like repeating it and I really don't, but many times over, including some people on this podcast session, have called me the goat of luxury travel.
1: Woo, let's do <laughs> I mean,
3: or the you know the king of luxury travel, but that's, that's not something I will put on my bio or, or whatnot. But I appreciate that, and for me, it's just I just want to inspire. I want to see young black kids seeing that image of me or seeing that article that I wrote on a $5,000 night villa and for them to say that I can do it too, that's something that I conspire to one day and become that. Or just feeling like they have nowhere to turn to as far as seeing themselves, now they can see themselves. And so I take those attributes to heart and hopefully just continue to expand people's minds and to inspire young black kids or people of color to feel like they belong in these places.
2: After the break, Danielle and Travis share some of their favorite black luxury travel experiences
0: as well as some luxury travel tips.
2: Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guests are Danielle Pointe de Jour and Travis Levius, two travel journalists and influencers who are living the black luxury travel life. These two have done it all. I asked Danielle and Travis to share some of their favorite luxury experiences and destinations.
1: Oh, that's so hard, Kelly. That's so hard.
2: I know. Cause Here's the thing. I know why that's hard. Because you guys have been two places that most people, just to be honest, that type of luxury travel, it does require a certain tax bracket, some of the places you guys have been. So I'm going to need y'all to go ahead and just try to pull something out of the millions of experiences. Because for those who may not get to experience, we want to live through your eyes. So do share.
3: I can go first. Yeah. (laughs) I am blessed enough to do a lot of travel writing assignments that even most luxury travel riders don't get to do. The ultimate one for me was me, again, following my gut and not seeing as what I wanted to do as impossible, but just seeing what's out there and, and attempting, <laughs> I reached out to a certain company and asked if they would be open to a journalist uh, covering one of their experiences. And they actually said yes after weeks of back and forth. And it was a super yacht voyage around Antarctica. And it was me. It was my professional filmmaker, drone operator friend from Cape Town. And they flew us. It was just me and, what, 24 other guests. Of course, they're all like, crazy rich. <laughs> and we got to go on the last continent, the white continent, the last frontier on earth and just saw the most beautiful, I think it was just the most beautiful place on earth to seeing how pristine it was, but also being able to do that and witness the glaciers and icy lakes, but sitting there drinking rosé on the back of the open ear jacuzzi of the yacht. <laughs> that was insane to me and just a pinch myself moment that these things are available to me. So that will probably be my number one experience that I don't think could be topped anytime soon.
2: If there's not bubbles happening in the experience, was it really luxury?
3: Right. That's right.
2: He said, <laughs> sipping my rosé on the back of the yacht. Okay. Excuse us, Danielle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, I think my favorite luxury hotel experiences, believe it or not, are not necessarily the ones where I do over the top things, the ones where the staff end up feeling like family. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Those are the ones that stick with me the most. And those end up being the ones that I recommend to other people. So one that really sticks out to me, it's a simple one. The one and only in Cape Town. I remember it was my birthday I had gone with some other people that I had just met from a travel group. And I was in the room having the most luxurious cry you could ever imagine because they had ditched me on my birthday. They were supposed to take me, we were supposed to all go out to eat and they canceled on me maybe an hour before. So here I am full blanche mode in a robe with champagne crying in the room and the front desk attendant, his name was Willem, I'll never forget it sent up another bottle of champagne and a gift. And I'm sitting there staring out at Table Mountain, crying, and I get this gift and I go downstairs, typical like dramatic black girl moment. I'm like in the slippers and I'm like, oh, well, I'm with the champagne, like half splashing. And it was just a great moment for me. And that's when I knew luxury properties are more than just like people say, I just need a nice room. No, you need a great staff. You need thoughtful people. The luxury is great, but it's hollow if the people that are there to serve you, if you will, don't even see you as a person. So I don't care what brand it is. Sometimes you'll go there and the staff will ignore you just because you're a Black person in this hotel that they feel is just for whites or just for Europeans. And they won't acknowledge you. So when you go somewhere and to have someone, him be thoughtful, to recognize it was my birthday, to recognize that I was a little sad and to make an already elevated experience, even more elevated. He didn't have to write a special note. He didn't have to give me a gift. He didn't have to send champagne. Those kind of things stick out to me. And those are the properties that always make me feel like this is a place that I can recommend. Even outside of the bubbles and outside of all of those things. I mean, bubbles are important. It's on my guest information form. Champagne with breakfast every morning. It's there. Ah! <laughs> because why not? But those are the things that matter to me. So places like One and Only in Cape Town or Nihi Sumba Island, that resort, I will always recommend people go to a thousand times over. They still address me and wish me happy birthday every year. They are amazing. I sent a celebrity couple there for their honeymoon and they are still getting messages themselves because those are the things that stand out. So those are my favorite experiences
2: that I have. What do you say to anyone interested in but may be intimidated by luxury travel? I think
1: I would say to them it's not a race. I think a lot of people are into the fast. They see Instagram and they see somebody like they'll see Travis at a nice luxury hotel. And it's like, if I can't go now, it must be unattainable for me. And I think the lesson that my father taught me early on is that you might not be able to get it right now, right this second. Like my pockets are not super deep. I can't just get a jet and go off to some of these places right now. But you can get there. So the same way you would plot out and maybe save for a trip to your favorite destination, save and plot out the money for a trip to your favorite luxury hotel. It could take a couple of years because some of these places are pricey. But you don't have to have it right now. Just because it's not immediate gratification doesn't mean it's impossible gratification.
3: I agree. These things take time. I mean, for both of us, we weren't born, neither Danielle or I were born with the Silver Spoon and access to these places. It took time for us to become adults and to see what we wanted and figure out ways to get there. I'm a big fan of writing goals down. So even if it does feel intimidating, like you writing it down, it just makes it feel more real and you make it a focus. Even if you might feel afraid of it at first, you start becoming more comfortable in it. These things take courage when you're going outside of yourself in in your current reality. So if you kind of write those things down and start to just begin feeling yourself being worthy of those things, then that will allow you to open up your mind to opportunities and strategies for you to get there and then when you get there you know you'll feel like you belong and you could always just pat yourself on the back knowing that you started scared and not feeling worthy to being the person that's been there and now You are.
1: And don't listen to the stereotypes. I'm so over Black people don't.
2: Yes. It's
1: so annoying. Like, we do everything. Mm -hmm. We go everywhere. Something specifically may not be for you, but that doesn't mean we as a whole, Black people, don't do it. No, we do it. We go to these places. So anybody that's telling you, oh, you bougie because you want to go. No, black people aren't bougie because they want nice things, because they want to live well, because they want to indulge. Stop listening to any of those stereotypes. Don't feel intimidated because you don't see us in the marketing. We're working on it. (laughs) People like Travis and Kelly and I, we're working on it. So if you don't see a black people in the advertising, that's okay. Show up. The more of you show up, the more they'll have to put you in the advertising the next time. So don't be intimidated by those things. Don't be intimidated by what you don't see. Just go for it. Just go in blind. Take your time. It's not a race. It's a journey. And it's one that you won't forget.
2: One thing that I would love to know, and I would like to know, when you both show up to a place and you're not necessarily received well, how do you navigate those times. What advice can you give for people who show up to enjoy and indulge because they pay to be there, but not feel as welcome?
1: I have to say that I've been pretty fortunate to not be in a situation where I don't feel welcomed by the staff. I feel like not necessarily that they might expect me to show up. I have a lot of people that tell me, Daniel Joy sounds like a white girl. So they don't necessarily expect this black girl to come out of the car when I pull up. But I feel like usually it's the other guests that end up making me feel unwelcomed. I think staff is usually, for better or worse, they're usually trained to somewhat hide their you know, shock or whatever the case may be. So even if they might be feeling internally like, oh, she showed up, another influencer, another writer, whatever, they don't express that to me. It's the guests. I've had women accuse me of trying to steal their husbands because I'm traveling somewhere alone and insinuate that I might be a prostitute or a hooker of some kind, that I might have homies that are paying or sugar daddies or all kinds of things, or just straight up say racist things to me because they're like, Black people don't have money, or they'll use the N-word and be like, you know, ends like, you shouldn't be here. Wow, I've had those things happen, and I feel God and grace get me through those things because the flatbush in me wants to come out every time. But I also recognize that being black in this world, if something did pop off like that, if I did let that side out, the result is not in my favor. So I keep calm and I show grace. I don't feed into the stereotype that they probably already have of me in their heads. And I use their tactics against them. I pull out what a blogger, Demetria Lucas, likes to use, call the the inner Susan. So I speak to them exactly, you know, my calm. Queen's English voice and "Mm mm-hmm, yes. And I read them for filth in proper English. And then I complain to the manager and I'm like, listen, you have these guests that they are unbecoming of your brand. I use all of those terms. You say you're the most luxurious address. You know, like if it was the St. Regis, you say you're the most luxurious address in the city, but how can you be when you have people that are so low on the rung, staying here to disrespect your guests? I go all out. And that's just kind of how I handle it. I try to handle it with grace and god and understanding because if i did what was going on in my head it's like one of those memes and it's like you're talking calmly but you're really banging their heads against something that's not going to get me anywhere so I, i just try to be calm but it does happen i don't want people to think that just because you're spending money if you're a black person it happens it definitely happens you'll find at least one and you just have to handle it and not feed into the stereotype very much so
2: Travis?
3: I can't really add much to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she said it all, just handle things with grace. I thank God I haven't experienced those things. No one's accused me of being a prostitute, of <laughs> being <laughs> alone. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Or having someone call me the N-word. Like, I just can't imagine. I would go to jail.
1: <laughs> oh, in my mind I'm there in my mind I'm in jail in real life I bring out my inner Susan and I'm like I'm so sorry that you are just you feel threatened by my presence I'm gonna leave you right now and I'm gonna go and tell the manager that you are disturbed by me like that's kind
2: of like, <laughs> I love oh that dear. I love that one thing about our community I'll say is that we'll step in a place and we are going to show up you're gonna know mm-hmm. we there We're not a fake it till we make it type of community, but we work with what we have and we wear it very well. So if I'm in a luxury place, I'm going to show up with my Chanel, Christian Dior, Gucci, Louis, whatever the heck, lay by the pool and live my best life. And I dare somebody to look my way and say anything about that, you know, so don't hate, congratulate.
1: (laughs) It's insane. The audacity some people have. I mean, I was in Zanzibar at a nice resort by myself just enjoying life on a solo occasion i earned it and i was going to dinner and they sat us at these round tables and you know i'm looking forward to meeting other guests i was the only black guests on property everybody else that was black was staff
3: in africa
2: in africa
1: in africa okay Shout out to the Malia Zanzibar, that staff is awesome. They went above and beyond because they were just so excited to see me and not see me as another co-worker. And so I went and I sat down and this man sitting there and he must've been waiting for his wife and he just struck up conversation. like, hey, where are you from? And this woman came and she sat down and she grabbed his arm and snuggled all close to him. And then she goes, oh, so what are you doing? Is your husband gonna be joining us? And I'm like, no, I'm not married. I'm here solo, you know, enjoying on a little vacation. And she started to insinuate that, she said, what did she say? She said, what type of woman travels alone?
2: All of us, I mean, who can?
1: She told me women like you that travel alone must be out looking for something and you can't get it with my husband
2: okay we didn't even know that you were married until you showed up (laughs) i know what that's like it's like Mm -hmm. as a black woman going anywhere by ourselves or even women in general going anywhere by ourselves we're always questioned our presence Mm -hmm. is always questioned and that is incredibly unfortunate and travis this is something you don't have to deal with because you're a black man you can show up and they're going to be looking at you concerned for other reasons but that is incredibly infuriating especially when oftentimes that also insinuates that you know They think that you're a prostitute because you're in Mm -hmm. such a nice area and you're looking for a nice man to take care of you. Well, y'all need to know we're making our own money out here.
1: The hotels don't help that stereotype, right? Because when we talk about luxury travel, it often excludes black travelers. And so part of their reaction to me or any one of us on this podcast is that they don't see us even in the advertising. They truly don't believe that we belong there because the marketing... And the messaging says white people belong here and the black people are here to serve you. Doesn't matter what the destination is. In the Caribbean, they're out there. You see the black people, but they're the hostess and they're the waitress and they're the maid. They're not the travelers. So why would they think that I was there for anything other than some nefarious reason when the hotels themselves, through their marketing, tell them that I don't belong there? And like that's part of where... We have to start fixing the issue in the travel industry. is like include us because we do belong there. We're spending good coin at these properties. I've stayed at probably 23 four-season properties. I want to see a lot of Black people in these advertising because I'm giving you some money. I want to see this, and then that will help normalize us in these places. And we shouldn't have to ask for these things in 2021. We shouldn't have to ask for our presence to be normalized. But in the luxury travel space, We do. And until we do, people like that woman and everyone that we probably encountered are still going to feel like we are in their space, encroaching on their territory instead of seeing us as equals.
3: Mm -hmm. And um, to Daniel's point, if listeners want to read more about... The problem with the luxury travel industry, Danielle, actually, when she was a guest editor, commissioned me to write about it, to do a reported article on that very issue for travel and leisure. So, you know, if you can go online and see TravelLeisure.com and look up the travel industry has a luxury problem. Here's how to fix it. And you'll kind of get more of an illuminated take on those things that needs to change in the industry.
2: Oh man, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Danielle and Travis for being here. Thank you for representing Black Travel and Black Luxury Travel so well. I hope that everyone makes sure that they follow the both of you. I'll make sure to drop both of your handles and so we can all have this experience and all know that it is accessible if we find a way because we can make a way.
1: Thank you for having us.
3: Thank you so much, Kelly.
2: This has been Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. Our guests were Danielle Point du Jour and Travis Levius. Follow Danielle on Instagram at Hotel Whisperer and follow Travis on Instagram at Mr. Lidius. Thanks to our production team at Pod People: Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck sillison and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles. Edited in New York City and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at TravelAndLeisure.com/podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag, and you can find me at Kelly Set Go.